0: Welcome to It's a Football Podcast. Lamar Jackson is injured. Jimmy Garoppolo is injured. It's been a bad week for quarterbacks. We're into week 14. But hey, Tom Brady is still making comebacks happen and it's magic on the field. We have Chris Bumbaca
1: on the podcast today. So welcome, Chris. How are you doing? What's up, Tyler? Always a pleasure to be here, man. Talking ball with you is my favorite. And good news, I am not playing hurt this week. I'm at full health, unlike a lot of the league's quarterbacks.
0: Well, that is good. We need to get talking about these quarterbacks because, man, it, it was a bad week for NFL quarterbacks. Then let's start off with Jimmy Garoppolo. He broke his foot and... The original reports were that he was going to be out for the remainder of the season, but the 49ers, they did get some good news, and he did not suffer a Liz Frank injury, but he still does have that broken foot. But his timeline is seven to eight weeks, so I do think that's the best-case scenario uh, for the 49ers. Even if he comes back in that seven to eight-week mark, that puts him right in the divisional round of the playoffs. Brock Purdy, he's going to be in and filling his place. But if Brock Purdy's playing well, I don't necessarily think that you put Jimmy Garoppolo just back in after missing two months. Now, we still have a lot of time for that. 49ers might not even make it to the divisional round. But I do think the 49ers are in a good situation considering, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's injury because they're not really dependent on that quarterback position. They rely on a lot of short passes. They run a West Coast system, and then they, we know they run the football very well, whether that's with Christian McCaffrey or with Debo Samuel. So they don't ask their quarterback to do a lot. Even I remember there are some games with Jimmy Garoppolo where he only completed, uh, you know, eight, nine, ten passes a game. So and they still winning ball games that way. So they are not really dependent on the quarterback to throw for three hundred fifty yards, four hundred yards. They just want their quarterbacks to not turn the ball over, be game managers, and give the football with accuracy to those playmakers on short, quick passes in that West Coast Kyle Shanahan system. So I think they're in a pretty good position. What about you?
1: If there is one coach in the NFL who could pull this off with a third-string quarterback, it's got to be Kyle Shanahan, right? And if there is one roster, even with all of its injuries presently constructed, that can make up for the fact that this team is on their third-string quarterback, it is the San Francisco 49ers presently built with how dominant that defense can be when healthy. I think Fred Warner is still one of the best players in all of football, probably still underrated at this point. Which is hard to say because I feel like he is starting to get some more love, mm-hmm. but you know it's going to be tough, man. And you don't want to have your your seventh round draft pick uh, making these plays for you when it matters most. I know you mentioned how he has all of these guys around him, but he's still the one who touches the ball every single play, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not entirely buying the Brock Purdy train right now. <laughs> uh, but what do you do if you're if you are the 49 Nineers, you have to ride it. So. Yeah. Well, he did perform well
0: and his, yeah. you know, spot duty with uh, against the uh, Miami Dolphins this past week. So if he can, you know, replicate that in week 14, week 15, and so on, I do think the 49ers are in a good position. And this is a team you're, you know, familiar with. Remember when the Baltimore Ravens, they won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer at quarterback. Trent Dilfer isn't a Hall of Fame quarterback. He wasn't even a upper echelon quarterback during his time. And they won because they had one of the best defenses of all time and one of the best the best defense that year in football. You know who has the best defense this year in football? The yeah. San Francisco 49ers. So defense still wins championships. You know what that old adage is. And I, you know, you can call it old school. I'm an old-school type football guy. I still believe defense wins championships. And if you have a defense that can hold opponents under three scores a game, keep opponents out of the end zone in the second half, which the 49ers have done a lot this season, you have a blueprint to be successful in the NFL. And you can run the football. Run the football and play good defense. I do think the 49ers they're still one of the best teams in the NFL, even with a third-string quarterback. But let's go to more quarterback news, a team you're very familiar with, Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. So I know you cover the Ravens a lot, Chris. So tell me what you think about Lamar Jackson's injury.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to obviously severely hamper what this offense could do, no disrespect to uh, Tyler Huntley. He's, what he gives the Ravens is that they're able to essentially keep the same scheme and run a lot of the same plays that they do, which is very different than the rest of the NFL. So I think that's part of the reason why Huntley is there. He has the backing of that locker room, which is nice, but he's just not the kind of player that Lamar Jackson is. Nobody is. That's why he is Lamar. That being said, though, even prior to the injury, uh, Lamar had not been overly impressive to me over you know, the last few weeks, um, You know, really since the beginning of the season. Uh, consistent, sure, but not really making the plays that we're, we're used to seeing him make. Uh, you can point to the lack of weapons around him, sure, but uh, even in the running game. And I think that this injury is kind of an example of the shots, or uh, you know, a result, I should say, of the of the shots that he takes game in and game out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, there's a lot of wear and tear on those tires already. And as that contract comes up, that's going to be a major talking point. I don't think he's definitely not going to play this week, in my mind, uh, and then. You know, the next couple of weeks, so they have a Saturday game against the Bengals after this Sunday in Pittsburgh. So, uh, you know, not a full week of rest for him to get ready. So that'll be interesting to see if he's able to make that one. And that's going to be a huge matchup for the AFC North between them and the Bengals sitting at the top right there. So very inopportune time for the Ravens. This happened last year, and it kind of sunk their season when they were trying to tread some water. But, yeah, not not great news for Baltimore right now. Uh, Luckily for them, they also have a a defense that's played pretty well as of late here and, uh, you know, could hopefully rely on that and and try and find something in the run game here until Lamar gets healthy again.
0: Yeah, you know, I I do agree with you. I, I do think if it was any other quarterback, a PCL injury, a pure pocket passer, I wouldn't be too worried. But Lamar Jackson's style of play if he's hampered at all, even not a hundred percent on that knee, it's going to affect the Ravens style football. And we talked about the 49ers not being dependent on quarterbacks. Well, the Ravens are entirely, (laughs) they entirely rely on Lamar Jackson. I mean, he is their offense, especially without Rashad Bateman on the outside and with The Ravens, you know, missing Lamar, at least for this one game. I don't think it's a huge deal against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tyler Huntley, he's a a pretty good veteran quarterback. I do think they can get the job done. But for them to be able to hold off the red-hot Cincinnati Bengals with the second-string quarterback, that is not going to happen. If Lamar Jackson misses the game against Cincinnati, they're not going to win that game. Uh, Lamar Jackson is the Bengals kryptonite but if they don't have him on the field then they are not going to win the AFC North I think that is um, without a shadow of a doubt that's not going to happen so overall I do think this is a big deal because the Ravens playoff you know hopes and their hopes of winning the AFC North Uh, that is in serious jeopardy if Lamar Jackson misses multiple games and their running game takes a huge hit. Um, we already know that they don't really have any receivers. Their best weapons are at the tight end position. And at running back, their running backs have been hurt in and out of the lineup, and they rely on Lamar Jackson way too much. And you would, you thought this year that Lamar Jackson wasn't playing you know, up to his MVP standard because he was kind of protecting himself from injury you know he's up for you know a huge contract they didn't get it done over last offseason they want to get it done uh, this offseason but he was protecting himself from injury and lo and behold now he has another injury to his lower extremities so it is you know a big deal in my opinion and ravens they're in trouble <laughs> they they i still think they can get to the playoffs at least for a wild card if they <laughs> don't win the afc north but they're title hopes in the AFC North are in serious jeopardy.
1: Yeah. And that makes all the difference in the world. When you come to wild card weekend, you go from hosting against, uh, you know, a presumably lesser opponent. And now you have to go on the road to Kansas city, Cincinnati, if they lose the division, you know, one of those teams probably. So, uh, it's, it's scary hours right now for, for the Ravens and, uh, you know the the silver lining is that maybe Lamar gets back healthy and is able to propel them, uh, and that they've you know had enough ground built up to to not lose their lead in the AFC North right now.
0: Yeah. So then let me ask you this question: Do you think the Bengals win the AFC North or the Ravens win the AFC North? They're both at eight and four. The Ravens have the easiest schedule uh, remaining, but we know what the Bengals have done. <laughs> They've won four straight games. So, who do you think is in the best position to win uh, the division?
1: Yeah, Bengals also, you know, have a relatively easy schedule here on out too. I think, uh, you know, according to some metrics. So, uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati. This is probably just my recency bias talking uh, <laughs> because of what they did last week against Kansas City. But uh, I think Joe Burrow is really coming to form every week. I'm just, you know, more and more. Inclined to say that Joe Joe Burrow really is that dude, you know. Like he is he is the swag. He has he brings the juice every single week in my mind. Uh, and as long as he could stay healthy, mm-hmm. I think you know he he takes the Bengals as far as you know they they went last year. Honestly, I think that they are one of the few teams that can actually win a Super Bowl. So I will say
0: this. I do have to disagree with you on the Bengals having an easy schedule. You know, I'm I'm, I'm looking at their schedule and they play the Bucks in Tampa Bay next week.
1: Bucks then, are bad. I know we're gonna get to the Bucks, but I'm not <laughs>
0: buying that. <laughs> then they play the Patriots in New England and then Also the, bad. Then the Buffalo Bills in Cincinnati, and then they close out the season against the Ravens. That that is a pretty That's, tough you're right, slate. You're right that that's a pretty tough slate. Now, for the Ravens, we we know they have Pittsburgh this week and then they go to Cleveland. With Deshaun Watson did not look good at all, <laughs> but that was predictably he was predictably rusty. Then they play the Falcons, then the Steelers, and then at the Bengals, of course. So, I do think the scheduling gods favor the Ravens to close out the season, but the Bengals they're playing some of the best football in the AFC right now, so we'll see what happens. The advantage, in my opinion, is the Ravens. So I do believe if Lamar Jackson only misses this week, I think they still win the division. I'm going it's out come the to come down to these
1: two matchups, right? It's going to come down to yeah. the Saturday afternoon game, and then it's going to come down to that last week of the season. Uh, and I imagine we'll see that one in prime time if uh, you know it's a winner takes the AFC North situation. That's, that,
0: that's true. I, I don't. I might not favor the Bengals against the Bucks though in
1: Tampa. I know the. Bucks. I know we're going to talk about we're to talk about Brady and the Bucks later. I have a whole okay. thing. Okay, okay. Uh, I'm down on them right now.
0: Okay, so I guess that's a. It's a perfect segue to talk about Brady and the Bucks then, because let's do I, it. I'm ready. I, I I really I'm really impressed with the way that they were able to come back. In that last possession, I was not impressed <laughs> every the, the other three quarters. I I, I was down on Tampa Bay. I was thinking, man, how can we just not have an NFC South team in the playoffs? <laughs> I really did not want an NFC South team. And I wanted all four NFC East teams to reach the postseason because the NFC South has been a mediocre at best division. No team in that division is above 500, including Brady and the Bucks at six and six. But that comeback win, that last possession in the fourth quarter, showed me that, you know, there's still a heartbeat of a champion. in that on that Bucs team, they still have that championship pulse, and they have Tom Brady. That was his 44th fourth-quarter comeback, an NFL record. And those playmakers, those receivers on the outside, they made plays when they had to. And that's a win that could catapult them through these remaining five games. Now, I know that the Saints, they're not world beaters. They're not good. But they usually play the Bucks well. And I do think that is a win that can galvanize Tampa Bay going forward. I see you shaking your head, Chris. You totally disagree. So give me your spill on Tampa Bay.
1: The Bucks are bad. <laughs> they are bad. They're not good. I'm sorry. Look, just like you said, watch the entire game Monday night. Mm-hmm. That is they look, the defense plays all right. I'll give them some props there. They got some players on that side of the ball. Um, you know, but other than I felt like this win was the Exact replica of what they did against Green Bay, right? Like it's just somehow like wear them down and then and then take it in the the last two minutes. They they beat Green Bay that right way right similarly. Like I'm not making that up. Mm -hmm. Or so I think that you know that's just the Tom Brady effect in a way. Like these teams are so scared, and then like once Brady has the ball with two minutes, like all of a sudden the defense just starts flopping all over the place, and, uh, and and they're able to drive down the field and make these. You know, game when he drives, Brady's the goat. They have him, so uh, as long as he's there, they'll they'll have a chance. But the the, the O line won't be able to protect him once they start playing good teams. Uh, they'll probably win the NFC South, but the Cowboys. That's not very wanna... much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The Cowboys, whoever is in that five seed, is going to come down there and, and beat them up pretty good. I think. Uh, I mean, I I love the idea. I love that Tom Brady's still playing. He's the greatest football player I've ever seen in my life, probably will ever see in my life. Any chance I get to see him display his greatness is a blessing, but the Bucs are horrible.
0: Okay, I, I got I to gotta say some things on that because I, I do disagree with you on some things. Now, I, they did they actually lost to Green Bay. I said they won. They lost to Green Bay in a similar fashion by two earlier in the season.
1: Oh, because they get the two-point conversion.
0: But – you really, Tom Brady is the greatest football player you've ever seen in your life?
1: He's the best did, winner. Did you, he's the, okay, he, yes. Yeah, he's like the, the best most winner. Most accomplished. Okay, most sure. accomplished. Yeah, no, he's the best. He is the best. Really? He's not the most talented. He's not the most, like, the fastest. I'm not saying that. He is the best. Did you see
0: Lawrence Taylor in your life? No. Did you see Jerry Rice in your life? No. Okay. Then I give it to you, because if you saw Jerry Rice in your life, I I would put Jerry Rice.
1: If you world. started watching football post 2000, who do you put up against Tom Brady in terms of like the best football player you've ever yeah. seen?
0: Then, yeah, of course, Tom Brady. But I, I will. And, and I'm not talking
1: talent. The guy in Green mm-hmm. Bay is the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Probably the most talented player I've ever seen in some really? ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The things that he was able to do with Devontae Adams, but this also, you know, this is a different conversation, but (laughs) when we talk about the Raiders, but I -hmm. think Devontae Adams is is honestly slept on when we talk about best players in the league because what he was able to do with Rodgers in terms of just running slants and getting open and then Mm Rodgers was just able to find him, we see what happens now when that's not the case where he can just go find him on third and 13 every single time and he's open. Well, I I will
0: say this on the Tom Brady talk. He... Without a doubt, I don't think you can argue. He's the best winner in NFL history and most accomplished. He has the best resume. However, when it comes to best football player, I would have to give that to Jerry Rice, and then I would say Lawrence Taylor is number two. And here's my reason why. You can make a case that Tom Brady, for a majority of his career, he was not considered the best quarterback in his era. Now, he was competing with Peyton Manning, then competing with Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes now, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. Just I mean, the list goes on and on and on. So when was Tom Brady the best quarterback in the NFL? I would say he had the edge in that brady Manning era, but it went back and forth with Jerry Rice, there's zero doubt that <laughs> he was the best receiver in his era. There was really not a close second, maybe Michael Irvin in in the same stratosphere. And then you look at all the records. Tom Brady has a lot of records because of longevity, but Jerry Rice has records because he was just nobody could guard him. And the same with Lawrence Taylor, nobody can block him. So that's why I put them they, they were the most unstoppable players and most dominant players at their position tom brady i don't i can't say he was he's dominant but he figures out a way to win and he's the best winner of all time and so that's a compliment and that's you know a a feat at itself but yes tom brady i I would say he's the best quarterback of all time i can't give him the best football player of all But since you started watching football in 2000, okay, I I agree that
1: Since 2000, yes, hands down.
0: (laughs) And you also just made me feel
1: old. (laughs) (laughs) Not not, not my intention, my friend. I'm sorry. (laughs) If the point is to win and he's the best at winning, then I have to give it to him. Okay. Okay. He he is the best at winning. And he is the common denominator across all of that winning.
0: He is the best at winning. So – if you have to draft a quarterback, and you have any quarterback in NFL history, you can draft. Who are you drafting? Are you drafting Tom
1: Brady number one? This is a great question. I give, I got to give you props for this one. Uh, no, because I'm I'm not smart. <laughs> like because I <laughs> because I look at these other things and I get you know caught up in that and and I go with talent and I go with. This and that—it's the same reason why he fell to the sixth round in his own draft, right? Mm-hmm, like we mm-hmm. we value these things when we are making those types of decisions because we are all humans. I'm not a general manager, but I, I, you know I have a similar biology to all 32 NFL general managers, and that's how humans go about processing these things. They don't—they mm-hmm. don't bet on on that aspect, and you know maybe that's why Tom was able to be great in a way too.
0: So, who are you drafting number one?
1: Number one in their prime?
0: Yeah. Rogers. Oh, okay. Nice. Now, if you had to draft a receiver number one overall, who are you drafting?
1: You know you're going to pick. I mean, are we talking uh, all time? In their prime, everybody. all time. You sold me really well on Jerry Rice, honestly. like that. That's, that's the only answer. I'll start there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'll say that for the sake of camaraderie here in okay. our podcast. Okay.
0: Well there you go. I think we'll close out the segment on that. I would draft Patrick Mahomes number one overall all time. That's a pretty good one, Every single quarterback. And receiver, it would without a doubt be Jerry Rice. And then if if I if you drafted Jerry Rice, I would draft Randy Moss.
1: You won't get any you know,
0: complaints from <laughs> me on that one. So OBJ is on a world tour right now, Chris. Uh, he's been <laughs> to every place it seems like Dallas, Buffalo, New York. He might even have traveled somewhere else, but now I'm hearing he's flying back to Arizona. to. He has a house uh, in the Phoenix area, and he's going to meet up with his team and figure out where he's going to play football next. But The word on the street is that Odell Beckham Jr. isn't quite all the way healthy and his surgically repaired knee, I mind you, he's had surgery twice on the same knee, um, isn't up to par and he might not be available until the playoffs. Now that's a report that leaked out of the Dallas Cowboys camp. So if I'm OBJ, I'm thinking twice, maybe three times about going to the Cowboys because nothing leaked when he visited uh, both New York teams, the Giants and the Bills. And it's hard for me to imagine that if he visited the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens, something like that would have leaked from that organization. But lo and behold, the Cowboys, quote-unquote America's team, stuff leaks. Who knows why, but <laughs> I, I do feel bad for Odo Beckham Jr. You know he really wants to play and you know his career has kind of got derailed by a lot of things off the field, uh, especially uh, injuries. And now with this latest news coming out, this negative news and his knee injury, it has to you know, probably shy teams away that maybe had an outside chance of landing him or even wanted to call about him. Like the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens. And with the Dallas Cowboys, to me, it feels like that news was leaked about his knee not being, you know, fully healthy enough to play full goal right now. That leaked because they really don't want him anymore. And they they aren't really as high on him as a lot of other teams. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean the thinking for a while, I think, is that he this deal is going to be more so about twenty twenty three than whatever twenty twenty two brings for him, right? Mm-hmm. I think that uh, he's looking for some guaranteed money, you know, in twenty three and beyond, and whoever is going to try and commit to him on those years uh, are going to be be uh having the upper hand in in his uh, negotiations, I guess. But yeah, I, I guess you know he's wh- what what do you make that move for if he can only come in and play the divisional round, right? Like, is that a worthy investment for your team? Um, is that worth tying up future cap space? If you really are trying to make this a win now move and don't care about as much in the future, like maybe the Cowboys would, you know, right. Cause like the Cowboys, they might need help for this season. And, but beyond that, they might try and move that money else or you know, allocate that money um, for, for other resources. Other than a, an aging wide receiver with some health issues, um, but we know what Odell can do. Uh, I, you know, we talk about favorite wide receivers. He's definitely up there for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, unfortunately, I think that image of Odell that we have in our brains is going to be something of the past now. Because as you mentioned, when you have, you know, two major injuries to the same knee, and, and you know you've been in the league now eight years, it's going to catch up to you. Unfortunately. -hmm. Um, you know, I think that we'll get a resolution probably sometime in the next two weeks when it comes to Odell. But I mean, I I still don't have really an inkling of of where this is gonna go. Um, I hope that he can contribute for a team later this season during the regular season. I think that would be awesome. It'd be it'd be great to see. Um, but uh, I'm just not that convinced. And you know, maybe the Cowboys could have leaked it, but it might also be true. It probably is true, honestly. Mm-hmm.
0: So if I'm Odell Beckham Jr., I need to have a really heart-to-heart conversation with my team and look in the mirror and figure out if I'm 100% healthy and if I can really contribute to a team this season. And I know for an athlete, that is a, a tough Tough pill to swallow, and it's tough to face reality sometimes when you're in that position, especially coming off a knee injury. And you know, you're used to playing at a premier level. And if the answer is he cannot contribute at a high level, then he needs to strongly consider sitting out and just going into free agency. Because if, if that information is true, and he comes back to, say, a team like the Buffalo Bills or, say, the Dallas Cowboys, and that fan base is expecting him to be a premier number two receiver, and he's not that, that's going to – I mean, if he does not live up to expectations and help that team in the playoffs or in the stretch run, that, it's going to be a bad situation to me. And and that's saying because those teams, all the hype around Odell Beckham and the hottest free agent was because to help a team get over the hump, kind of like that Von Miller effect had on the Los Angeles Rams. And if he's not able to provide that, then he's going to start off on the wrong foot with an organization because it's like, You sold me on this idea that you're Odell Beckham Jr., the one we saw with the Los Angeles Rams before you blew out your knee. And now the returns of my investment aren't that good. And so the fan base is going to turn sour. And you hate to say it, but maybe some of the coaching staff and some of the players are like, we wanted this guy. He's taking snaps from X, Y, and Z, and he's not doing anything on the field. So do you really want to put all that pressure on yourself and your knee <laughs> if you're not fully ready? And I know, you know, he wants to compete. He wants to, obviously, those paychecks, he wants those to start coming in. But he, if he's not fully healthy, he needs to strongly consider, okay, maybe I should take this year off, even if I do sign with the team, because I cannot contribute the way – I want to. Now, I know that's not a popular opinion, but it is something that he should consider. And then you also don't want to come back too soon and then re-injure that same knee. Because if you injured the knee a third time, your career might be over. You already had surgery on that knee twice. And now reports coming out that that knee isn't quite right yet. You don't want to rush that because a third time, that's it. You're already not the same player you once were. You're still good, but you're not as explosive, and nobody can be. I mean, Adrian Peterson, that was an outlier. Usually people don't come back from knee injuries and look the same or better than they were before. Um, and Odell Beckham Jr., I'm afraid that his knee injury, he I know he won't be the same, but you also have to protect yourself and yourself long term. And if he tears that knee again, and if he comes back and not looking nearly the same, that's not going to be a good look.
1: Yeah. And, you know, just to wrap this up real fast, this is football. You know, this isn't like baseball where Kyle Schwarberg tears ACL in April and then stand in the batter's box in late October. Um, and it's not like, you know, he, all he have to do is swing a bat. Like, you need to learn a new playbook. You need to get in rhythm with your quarterback. You need to figure out your route trees with the other receivers and things like that. Just on top – all of that on top of making sure that he is 100% healthy just makes 22 feel like a little bit of a stretch for me. And all these teams looking to sign him are going to need more than, oh, he's just here for 23. So I I would imagine that we, we ultimately – you know, get a signing in March.
0: So I'm going to throw a curveball at everybody before we wrap this up. I think OBJ should re-sign with the LA Rams and sit out this season, just like all their other star players are. Matthew Stafford is done. I imagine Aaron Donald's not going to play anymore this season. I imagine Cooper Cup isn't going to play anymore this season. So just rest up this season. And the Rams try to – go for another Super Bowl run in 2023 with a hopefully healthy OBJ, Aaron Donald Stafford, and Cooper Cup. I think that's the best situation for him, and we obviously know he loves it out on the West Coast. He has a home in L.A. and a home in the Phoenix area. I think he should go back to the Rams. He knows Sean McVay's system. He already has a rapport with Matthew Stafford. He's not gonna be asked to be a number one or number one A because that's Cooper Cup, number one and number one A, and then OBJ can be a, a B. So I, I do think he should strongly consider that. And the Rams will sign up to a multi year deer deal. Um, so that that is what I think he should do. And it's not a situation where he has to contribute immediately. He can wait till twenty twenty three. Sticking with the Rams, they have a a new quarterback, Chris, and uh, Baker Mayfield, I was very surprised that they claimed him off waivers. I get it because, as we just uh, said, Matthew Stafford is likely not going to return this season. They've been depleted at the quarterback position. Um, But what can Baker Mayfield do in L.A.? Now, former number one overall pick, He's disappointed. We clearly know that in Cleveland um, and with the Panthers, he was atrocious and now he's coming to LA probably to be a, a backup quarterback. We'll see if he plays. There's talk that he might play as soon as uh, Thursday night against the Las Vegas Raiders. I think it will be a mistake to have him out there. He does not know the playbook. It's impossible for anybody to know the playbook in one day.
1: <laughs> but, that would be um,
0: hilarious. I would love that. You you know, I to me, I think this is a strategy a move by Sean McVay, Les Sneed and the Rams because if they let him go after this season or you know let him walk, they get a, a compensatory pick. And the Rams, they need some picks. <laughs> they definitely need some picks because all those trades that they made uh, you know, for Matthew Stafford and you know Jalen Ramsey, they really, really decimated their draft capital. And so they need some more picks so they can start building their roster because they lack depth. And you can really see it this year because when they have players injured, they aren't able to win games and they have are terrible this year and looking like, well, we know they're not going to make the playoffs. But um, back to um, you know Baker Mayfield, I do think this is a move that allows them to get a fresh start but it's a short-term move. And i yeah. it's hard for me to believe that he starts a game for the Rams. Now, I, I realize he may start later in the season, but they do have Bryce Perkins, and he's a promising quarterback. He, he's a uh, scrambling quarterback, a dual threat. But does Baker Mayfield really know – can he really pick up an offense this late in the season to start games for the L.A. Rams? I think no, but hey. Um, the Rams are throwing, uh, I mean, waving the white flag this year. So maybe he does start some games. It it was a, a a move that was perplexing to me, to say the least. Chris,
1: do you think Progressive will have enough time to make uh, commercials at SoFi Stadium or not? It's Hollywood. They have enough time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but for real, uh, great point on the on the compensation compensatory pick I think you know all all the points he made there are are super valid and part of the reason why another ulterior motive I wanted to bring up fast is the the idea that um, you know everybody had him go to San Francisco to help out with the Jimmy G situation and that this was maybe a tactical move by the Rams to keep him but they were according to field Yates the Rams were the only team to put a claim in for him now they were also one of the first teams on the on the claim list because of their record so that might have also had something to do with it whether or not baker starts i say yes because no disrespect to john wolford i know you talked up bryce perkins a little bit and he seems like a fun player but i think baker just brings a little bit more than than either of those guys um and when you are getting into the doldrums of the season of a lost season like the like the rams are uh you kind of want to just have some form of you know professionalism out there and just and just getting through it and try and stay competitive in some of these games. Maybe once he learns the playbook and gets acclimated with Sean McVay, uh the Rams make a decision there that he does give them the best chance to be respectable and competitive in these games. I think that also played a factor in the move here. Um but hey, I hope that Baker can get some good tape out there and, and convince a team to take a shot on him next year because I think that he's had you know, a string of bad luck. Really, the injury last year is kind of what derailed his, ter- ter- his career at this point. So hopefully you know, he can stay healthy, put some good tape out, and find a good landing spot for 23.
0: It's really hard to fathom that the Rams won a Super Bowl about 10 months ago. We're almost 10 months to the day. <laughs> they just I believe look... the quote,
1: Tyler, is uh, F them picks.
0: Right. And <laughs> just the state of the Rams right now, oh, my goodness. But, you know, I'm really down on Baker Mayfield because you say that, you know, he can probably start, but he couldn't beat out P.J. Walker or Sam Darnold. Now, he did beat out Sam Darnold during training camp, but then during the season we saw the way he was playing, and then he got benched for P.J. Walker. And I look at Bryce Perkins and Wolford, and they're pretty much on par um, with what the QB situation Carolina had. And Baker Mayfield lost the QB battle to them. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, Sean McVay, we know what he can do with quarterbacks. Maybe he can rejuvenate Baker Mayfield. But the days going forward, I think in 2023 and beyond, as Baker Mayfield as a starter, think they're done. Um but backup quarterbacks they make a really good living in a, <laughs> could have a long a,
1: career. Yeah a
0: long career and hold a clipboard and make millions of dollars. It's a career that I would love to have, Chris. I, I don't know about you, but I could hold a clipboard for Sign two me up. Mil, Sign me yeah, up. two mil a season. I don't even got to get hit. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a, that's a good
1: gig. Good gig. <laughs> Shout out Chase Daniel, the legend. Oh, yeah.
2: And so we'll wrap again another podcast with our five picks of the week. This is my last podcast, but obviously we'll continue on, and we'll have Safed back next week. Um, picking right or wrong, we have no idea who's in the lead because I did not tally the scores. But we do this just to give you insight week by week, and, of course, we have Boom on to help us out as well. So to start off week 14 – we're gonna go with, you know, two great teams this season. You've got the five and seven Las Vegas Raiders at the three and nine Los Angeles Rams. We know the situation. We just talked about it. Tyler, what do you see between these two teams?
0: The Raiders are quietly playing good football right now. They're in a winning streak. Josh Jacobs is the leading rusher in the NFL. We already know Devontae Adams, in my opinion, the best receiver in the National Football League over 170 receiving yards against the Chargers last week. I got the Raiders winning this game, and SoFi Stadium is going to be a, a Raiders home game. Trust and believe that on Thursday night. I got the Raiders winning.
1: Yeah, I got the Raiders too. Um, I, we've talked about the Rams way too much already. They're kind of a disaster uh, on a short week. I like the Derek Carr, Devontae Adams you know, pairing that seems to be really finding its stride. Uh, in this game, so I'll take them by a touchdown at least.
2: Yeah, I mean, I hate when we all pick the same, but it's <laughs> the Rams are trash. I just it's not <laughs> happening this season. Um, and Josh Jacobs is on my fantasy team, so hopefully he balls out. I am picking the Raiders in this one. Uh, next up, we have a game between the New York Jets, the seven five New York Jets, against the nine and three Buffalo Bills. Though remember last time out. The Jets eked out a win against the Bills in this game. It's not quite a runaway for the Bills. Uh, Boom, who do you have in this game?
1: <laughs> not quite a runaway, but I'm still going to take the Bills. Uh, hard to beat a team twice in regular season, especially division opponents. I feel like the Bills are really rounding into form right now. Uh, I'm all about the Mike White train and the Jets. I know we haven't really talked about uh, you know, their, their loss over the weekend to the Vikings, but Uh, Too many red zone struggles for them, in my opinion, and I think the Bills uh, are able to eke it out this time.
0: So I predict earlier uh, this year that the Jets, uh, they will fall out of the playoff race. Um, I think they're a year or two early from being a serious playoff contender, so I'm going to stick to that same tune. I have the Bills winning this game. They're playing pretty good football. Josh Allen's going to be the best player in the field. We know that.
2: All right. Well, I got the sauce. I'm going with the Jets. They can do it twice in a season. I'm picking it. All right. Hell What's yeah. the matter? I'm, I'm going reckless here. I'm going reckless. <laughs> Next up, we've got the Ravens at the Steelers, the 8-4 Ravens. We've talked a little bit about uh, Lamar Jackson. His status is still question mark against the 5-7 and seven Steelers who started their season in a very uh, scary uh, territory for Mike Tomlin and his team. Tyler, what do you see out of this divisional game?
0: Well, Tyler Huntley, has a great name. And uh, the Ravens, they held the uh, Broncos out of the end zone last week. And Tyler Huntley has a great name. That's all my analysis that I'm going to give. And I have the Ravens winning this game because Tyler Huntley has a great name.
1: (laughs) That, folks, is why you come to the It's a Football podcast for for hard-hitting analysis. (laughs) Um, While Tyler Huntley is a great name, and we, all, we love all Tylers in the world. Uh, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Uh, I think that last week's kind of last-minute drive, a little bit of magic there. Uh, that dust runs out this week, and uh, the Steelers are able to pull it out. Uh low-scoring close one here.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with low scoring as well. But I still, as long as my math is correct, I still have faith that Mike Tomlin keeps his streak alive and figures out how to get a non-losing season out of this. And in order to do that, he is going to have to beat the Ravens. So I, I think that's a little bit better than picking someone based on names. Uh, but I'm, <laughs> picking, I'm picking the Steelers in this one.
0: Both of y'all right. going against me. I cannot believe it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all right so we're moving on to the 425 bucks against the 49ers uh lots of question marks this game is going to be either wild or very boring um you've got the 49ers trying to figure out what life after jimmy g this season though we might see him again looks like uh and the bucks after a huge moral victory a huge win uh comeback win with the magic's still somehow there in an aging Tom Brady. Uh, boom, who do you see it in the Bucks 49ers game?
1: Tom Brady back in the Bay Area. I, I like that a lot. And I, I mean I I think that one full game of Brock Purdy will be probably enough for the Tampa Bay defense to kind of round out a scheme to to stifle th- what the Niners are able to do. So I'm I'm gonna go with the Bucks here. A little upset pick. I know I trashed them for an entire podcast, but folks, that's what we call zagging, all right? So uh, I'm going with the Bucks.
0: You definitely did zag. You shocked me on that pick. Now, let me just say that the Bucks they played terrible against, uh, you know, the Saints. However, I do like what they did that last possession, but the 49ers, they have the number one defense in the NFL, and the Bucks had a tough time against a Saints defense. And the Bucks, they do have a pretty good run defense. However, the 49ers' run scheme has a lot of you know motions in it, a lot of stunts. So I do think the 49ers they match up well against a Bucks team. Uh, even with Tom Brady, they're going to pressure Tom Brady. They're going to blitz him. A Bosa, we already know what he can do. Warner, 49ers, that defense is going to come through. And like I said. The 49ers are not dependent on a quarterback position. They don't need a quarterback to throw for 300 yards a game. I got the Niners win.
2: I'm a little upset because I can't use this sound because they're both from the Bay, but I'm going to play it anyway.
0: And the Bay's better than L.A.'s. <laughs> I just
2: had to throw it in there. I Which Bay am I going to pick?
0: You know I, who you want to pick.
2: I, who do I want to pick? I don't know who I want to pick, although yeah, I will you. say uh, the East Coast better than the West Coast. So I just, I'm just i going to have to go with the Bucks on this one. I have no football analysis other than that. We're going to move on. <laughs> on the uh, the Sunday night game, we have two teams coming off the loss. We've got the Dolphins at the Chargers. Uh, boom, start us off in this one. Who do you have?
1: I've been waiting for this because we saved the best for last. I know Tyler is a huge Chargers guy, but I have a confession. So I'm done with the Chargers. I'm out on them. I'm out on Brandon Staley. Justin Herbert's still good, but I just don't believe in, in that roster anymore, really, as presently constructed. I know that they've battled injuries. Everybody battles injuries. We've talked about it. All types of injuries on this podcast. Give me the Dolphins. Bounce back.
0: I'm confused if Chris is on this podcast or soffit because you were sounding like <laughs> Soffit right there. Oh, my goodness. I'm having oh, nightmares. You know, I, I want to – my head is picking the Dolphins, but my heart wants to stick it to both you and Soffit and Emily for making fun of me this entire season about the Chargers and the Bay and L.A. and Miami and Southern California. <laughs> so I'm going to go with my heart, and I am going to pick the Chargers. I'm actually going to be at this game. I, I, it would surprise me if they won, however – Justin Herbert is going to come through. That Chargers defense, maybe they'll stop a nosebleed. Brandon Staley might scheme up. uh, Nothing's telling me that the Chargers are going to win this game. However, you know, odd things happen on any given Sunday. So I'm going to pick the L.A. Chargers.
2: All right, we'll keep an eye out on those weekly picks that the writers do and see if Tyler sticks with that on paper a little bit later this week. I actually was going to go into this because I was thinking that you were going to pick your head over your heart. And I'm going to stick with it, though. You know, it's maybe it's a holiday present. But, I again, no football analysis on this. I think that if I were using my head, the Dolphins would want to bounce back for this. They would have the talent to do it. Um, But, you know, the Chargers break 500, and I'm going to go with the Chargers this week.
0: Wow. There you go. And that will do it for this week of It's a Football Podcast. It's already Week 14. I cannot believe it, Chris and Emily. Please download It's a Football Podcast on whenever, wherever you download your podcasts, and we will get back to you
1: next week. It's a Football Podcast. Find it now on the USA Today Sports Plus app, where the biggest fans fan harder i so